Early Research Stories, your podcast uncovering stories from influential figures in the field of learning and instruction. What motivated them to become researchers? What are their next projects and what advice do they have for young researchers of early the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction? Your host, Stefan Siegel. Today's guest in the Early Research Stories podcast is the wonderful David Hybels. David is Professor for Learning and Instruction and Vice Dean in the Faculty of Social Sciences at the University of Antwerp. He graduated from the Faculty of Psychology and Educational Sciences of the University of Leuven in Belgium and started his professional career in the University of Maastricht in the Netherlands. In 2011, he received the Eric de Court Award for Young and Promising Scholars in the Field of Learning and Instruction at the biannual conference of the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction. In his widely read and often cited research, he addresses a broad range of subjects related to the quality of and relation between learning and assessment in higher education, problem-based learning or work-related learning. From 2014 to 2017, he acted as Editor-in-Chief of Educational Research Review. He's also part of several editorial boards. In this podcast, he elaborates on his career, his involvement in early, and his current and future research. I'm very delighted that David is here today and hope that you enjoy this episode. So, hello David, it's great that you're here. Where are you calling from? Hello, uh, the, the pleasure is all mine. I'm calling from my home office in Geel, a beautiful small city in Belgium. That sounds really lovely. A warm welcome. I would say we just uh, start with the first thematic area, your personal career and your own motivations for becoming a researcher. Um, how and why did you start your academic career? Uh, good question. Uh, how it started is probably easier uh, than why it's uh, it started. Um, uh, it started, I think, when uh, I was already in my last year as a master's student. Uh, I, as you just told in the introduction, I did my master's, which did not uh, have a label master at that time, uh, but uh, it, at the University of Leuven. And in our last year, we needed to do an internship. And I did a research internship at the University of Maastricht in a department that was called at that time Educational Innovation and Information Technology. So I did an internship there, a research internship, and I got the opportunity to stay there. Uh, so after I graduated, I uh, didn't think really hard about uh, that, but I accepted uh, that I could uh, stay there a while and my job there was not only research but it was in a faculty of law and the task i had i was involved in uh, program evaluations staff development and also educational innovation projects in that faculty of law and i had the opportunity to also do some research uh, on the topics i was working on there so maastricht was a problem-based learning uh, university still is so i did some research on uh, problem-based learning um, and uh, some educational innovation projects at that time the focus was very much on assessment uh, so 
I was involved in several projects that were going on uh, there and I discovered that I liked uh, writing so I wrote about the research we did uh, and um, yeah that's how I, I rolled in um, I, I didn't do the classical uh, PhD because uh, when I discovered that I enjoyed actually doing research and then I enjoyed doing uh, writing about research, um, I went uh, to the supervisor there, the head of the, the department and told him that, that I would like to do, that I probably would like to do a PhD and then we actually decided that I uh, had done already that much of research and, and, and published that we probably could make a collection uh, of what I had been doing and then did some additional uh, work to make a coherent uh, whole and, and that's how it more or less happened uh, rather than, than being a, a clear reason. I think I, I, I so I have I have been in the lucky position that I could just do things that I liked and 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 kind of stumbled into into um, into into research that I liked writing I liked collaborating Maastricht at that time um, was well, it still is uh, I guess very international in fact the early office was uh, also uh, there in the building where I was so many, many researchers uh, came there, especially at the time when uh, uh, Philip, my supervisor, was early president. Uh, so I came quickly in contact with international uh, researchers and that also stimulated me, I guess, to uh, continue doing doing research because I, because I liked it and I enjoyed collaborating with, uh, with researchers. Uh, within the faculty and outside the faculty, and I also always had the opportunity uh, to do so. Um, so that's a bit how it started uh, for me, and I guess the reason is not really a deliberate choice, um, because I, when I was a student in my master's, I, I would say I never work at a university, uh, but I'm, I'm actually never worked outside. <laughs> uh university so it's it it, it happened a, a bit uh, because i got opportunities that i that i took and that i uh, i have uh, always had a feeling that i could do things that i like so i've, I've been in very lucky positions uh i think to to came across things that that um that i liked and that i could could take up and um uh, so that's that's how it started and that's i guess why i ended up in doing research and then um after uh that i uh well i i i i had a phd uh, uh so to speak there came an opportunity in antwerp uh there and then i moved to antwerp uh first to um uh to um work in a center for uh, excellence on higher education where uh, that was newly established in, in Antwerp with a focus on on supporting staff in higher education and doing research on that and then not that much time later the University of Antwerp started with a new master program in education and training sciences 
And what's more exciting for an educational researcher than starting in new programs? So I was uh, uh, I applied to uh, get involved in that, and that's where I still am actually. So that's a bit how it how it how it uh, how the the different places I worked in came across my path, and um, yeah. So I don't have a clear why. The 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 why is I just think I had the opportunity to 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 uh, go to places and to do things that I thought were interesting and was lucky enough to be involved in these. Thank you, David. It's so interesting to hear your reflections on your personal journey, your milestones and your motivations for becoming a researcher. When you think of the beginning of your career, what would you say? What is your most memorable early career accomplishment? Mm -hmm um memorable early career accomplishment I, i i do remember very well so uh maybe uh i'll talk about that uh that i got the the, the review that i that we worked on uh together with colleagues in maastricht on effects of problem-based learning from the angle of assessment um got accepted in the review of educational research which was as that at that time and i think it still is um, uh, the first ranked uh journal and it was very hard uh, to get in it was a very tough review process it actually was still and today it sounds really old-fashioned but the the first submission was i printed three versions one for the editor and two for or, or, or no one for the editor and three others for reviewers, send them in an envelope to the United States with a floppy disk uh, in, in, inside. And then you had to wait until a letter came back. So I got a letter with revisions and then you, so it was in, in the old fashioned way uh, that it still went. Uh, uh, yeah, that was actually crazy if you think about it this time, but that's, that's how, how uh, well, many uh, researchers, of course, at that time uh, wrote Uh, articles and published articles but then it was very i i still have the letter somewhere so it's a really paper letter signed with 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 a real pen uh, the acceptance letter uh, there and that was i remember that uh, people uh, that my supervisor was saying well if if you manage to get a paper of your phd accepted in that journal then uh, you will manage to continue for a while in in educational research and I'm, well, I'm not sure of course if that's only that that one paper but it definitely helped uh, because indeed it's uh, it has been at least well cited I hope also well read uh, um, but uh, yeah so that was I, I didn't realize it well probably back then but people were saying this is very uh, uh, nice to have this type of publication and did in this type of journal. So that probably was something that I was told then and, and therefore probably re remember as an, uh, a memorable accomplishment if you talk about that type of accomplishments. Um, so yeah, I would say that I picked that one. Uh, and those were the times, and I think we do that to, to less nowadays that that you would really celebrate also such a publication and would have a nice dinner with all the co-authors together. And um, I think these were good habits uh, to do so. So I try to, to keep them alive also, but I, I sometimes fail uh, 
Yeah, but I think that's a nice ritual to uh, also celebrate these accomplishments um, in everyday life. Um, could you tell us about a person or a mentor who made an impact on you or set you on your present path? Yeah, um, I think that there have been many. So I'm not sure if I need to pick one or I can <laughs> list the range uh, of people. Yeah, people. well, yeah, if I, uh, because you sent me this question beforehand, I have been thinking about uh, this question, who shall I pick? And I think at different stages in my career, there have been different people that I feel supported uh, by. So I think it started probably already in my master, uh, where I had uh, um, uh, supportive uh, teachers, Eric uh, de Korte, was one of my uh, uh, teachers, Lieve Verschaffel, uh, Jan Ehle, also Philip Doshi, who became then the supervisor of my master uh, thesis and of my uh, PhD, um, when he also had an appointment in Maastricht. Um, so uh, in Maastricht, uh, uh, of course, uh, my supervisor continued supporting me, but I also collaborated with other peoples. One of the people I have been collaborated with from the start is now a colleague of mine in, in Antwerp, it's Piet van den Bosse. Uh, but also Mien Segers uh, collaborated a lot with and, and uh, supported me a lot. Um, and then uh, in the, the early community and the international community, I also felt supported by people like uh, Sari Lindblom and Jan Vermund or John Richardson in the higher education uh, research community that that um, came to Antwerp several uh, times. Um, and I would say like in the US that I have always felt supported by uh, Patricia Alexander, who um, invited me to become a um, member of the editorial board of contemporary education psychology. Um, so I think uh, there's several people I felt supported uh, by both in, sometimes very explicit but also sometimes just implicit by uh, gently pushing me uh, to uh, to take some initiatives and to collaborate with me i guess this was really helpful to have these people around yeah definitely uh, and i think that's the beauty of being a researcher or also that you do not only uh, well, of course, your your close colleagues, you cannot always choose yourself. And I, I realize that I have been lucky to be in good company uh, during the whole of my career uh, so far. But the nice thing about uh, like associations uh, uh, like early is that you can you, you can collaborate with actually whoever you like. <laughs> and I would definitely and, and uh, I, I enjoyed uh, doing that. Uh, and I would definitely also recommend to uh, to to collaborate uh, with nice people in in the not only in the early community but definitely in the early community, uh, and that also contributed to to my to the to, to uh, well definitely also to the output but also to the joy of work uh, and uh, uh, of being a researcher. Uh, so that that has worked in multiple ways uh, for me. Of course, uh, people like this that I just list that support you, it's helpful. They opened, I, I think, 
I referred to that already that the early office was in um, Maastricht then and that my supervisor then was early president so that there were regular meetings and that I was introduced to these uh, people. I wasn't always aware at that time that they were big names in the field. I just learned to know them as nice people. But I think that's a nice way of looking to any kind of researcher as just people that like to do research. And uh, my experience has actually, without any exception, been that if you have a question for a researcher about uh, his or her research, that they're always happy <laughs> to talk to you about uh, that. And that, um, that is uh, nice. So I, I don't think people should be shy, actually, to if they are interested in the work of, of somebody or have a question, just go and ask. And you will find almost always people that are interested also in your work, because when you're interested in someone's work, it's probably connected. Their work is probably connected to your work. So when building on that um, is a very nice thing, I would say. And it's an opportunity we have as researchers. And yeah, well, it definitely helped me, uh, like I say, uh, to build my career, but also to do it in a way that I can be lucky to say that I have enjoyed most of it so far. I would absolutely agree. And this is already great advice for our uh, younger early scholars. Moving on to the second thematic area, um, the research in your field and your future research. Mm, mm -hmm. What do you think, what have been the major changes in the field of student and or teacher learning at university since you have been working on it? Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of researching uh, these fields, I would say that um, there has been some uh, methodological uh, advancements uh, in terms of research methods, uh, research instruments uh, that are available. I, I would say that um, when I started uh, doing research, um, the default was uh, research uh, based on self-report um, uh, instruments and uh, with um, well sometimes of course already with multiple uh, measurements but that was uh, already sometimes uh, considered to be an innovation to to do more longitudinal research while nowadays i think we have much more access also to to both measurement uh, instruments that that uh, can be used in combination with self uh, report uh, instruments uh, like uh, well there are actually multiple but uh, online measures uh, of learning uh, for instance and also uh, i would say that um, in terms of uh, the analysis um, there's also uh, a request from the field and which i think it's it's good to to uh, uh, use the analysis that are most appropriate uh, for the research question and that means that uh, um, that sometimes complicated analysis are needed not always <laughs> uh, but there has been uh, quite some uh, steps 
that have been taken there and I have been lucky I think to be surrounded by people that have pushed me also in um, uh, in in taking those steps uh, and that were mostly more knowledgeable than me <laughs> so I could use their uh, like uh, a very nice colleague of mine uh, in Antwerp, Sven der Meyer, who's really good uh, at uh, at these, and also asking questions about whether you have the appropriate uh, design or the or are using the appropriate methods. Um, that's helpful. So I think that in terms of doing research, that has been. Uh, if I look at articles that I published. 20 years ago oh that's scary to say that <laughs> uh then the I, I i still think they are interesting but i'm not sure that they would be uh that they would be publishable 22 years later uh and that probably for good reason because the field has moved and that's a good thing uh i would say so i think uh and and also I think that's also very interesting because I remember that in the discussion of most of my articles I wrote, well, we have to be aware, for instance, that the data has been collected based on self-report instruments uh, only. And uh, this is uh, a um, something we have to take into consideration. Well, nowadays we can say that we have, we are able to use multiple data uh, collection tools and we can triangulate self-report data with other measurement instruments which give us a rich, richer picture of the phenomenon we are investigated and therefore uh, we can write other things in our discussions that are <laughs> uh, so and uh, uh, that involves also I guess more multidisciplinary uh, uh, research which I think is also only interesting uh, not not easier <laughs> uh, but definitely interesting uh, so, yeah, I would say that these are developments uh, that I see and they they do not only have uh, methodological implications, if you ask me, because it also has as a consequence that our theories uh, have been built and investigated by means of, uh, uh, for instance, in the field of student learning and higher education interviews and and, and later uh, large scale uh, self-report uh, uh, instruments which have led to interesting and, and relevant theories but if we come if we use these theories now and measure at a much more fine-grained level for instance with uh, with eye tracking uh, research which measures at the millisecond or even at a, at a smaller time uh, unit of analysis then we have to think about whether what we measure can still be in, interpreted in terms of the theories that we have. So I see that as a as a challenge also to to develop new theories in line with the theories that we already have uh, in order to make sense of what we measure now. Because yes, we can say that we are triangulating data, but at the same time, I feel a bit hesitant to say that we are really triangulating if you combine for instance self-report instrument about how how did you learn in general and just uh, and and and, uh, and uh, eye tracking data based on how people process a specific task we're actually measuring probably different but related things and there and, and how to connect these uh, there's still some work to do i would say 
which is interesting. Um, but but uh, yeah, so I think there's some new, some need to develop new theories, uh, not new in terms of totally new from the existing one, but new in terms of um, yeah that we we uh, uh, more fine grained at a at a at a finer level. Uh, and, and try to see how they, we can connect them to the more general theories of learning uh, that we have. I think that's a very interesting and fascinating, but also very challenging field. Um, well, in your opinion, what will be the most important questions you are continuing to work on? Um, what are your next goals regarding your research? Is it uh, focus on new methods, developing new methods? Uh, I, I would say that the combination of what I just like uh, it's uh, not it's using new methods. I'm not sure that I will be developing one. I think we can borrow a lot of methods from other fields. So therefore, I think interdisciplinary research, learning from what uh, neighboring fields are doing. For instance, I have a very interesting research project now together with colleagues from the Department of Communication Sciences. Um, Uh, but also uh, with people from the artificial intelligence department. So uh, I think there are already a lot of methods that that can be adapted and are already adapted also by other researchers to the field of, of, of educational uh, research, trying to make sense of the data that uh, comes out, connected to existing theories. And then I think that, that like I said, developing new... Uh, um, new theories and I think there's a um, well I have a, a project now an interdisciplinary project I'm, I'm involved in now which I'm excited about and that uh, that's an interdisciplinary uh, uh, project and it involves um, in, 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 in a simple way uh, very um, Uh, um, uh, controlled experiments to investigate uh, phenomena uh, with uh, high resolution equipment and very detailed and complicated, uh, so to speak, uh, setups for which we can only use a limited numbers of participants to get involved, learn from that, and then try to, to, uh, to see if we put that into real classrooms, Uh, the, what we learn there, then also see um, what we what we learn then. So the the the, the combination between small scale, uh, high level between brackets or quotes uh, research, and and then uh, try to see what you can learn from them if you try that in an in a in a in an educational relevant. <laughs> Uh, setting, see what's left over uh, from uh, making decisions there about how you can measure things, how you can implement things, learn from that. So that on the, that that tension on the one hand, and and also the tension between theories we have available and theories we do not yet have available yet to make sense of what we uh, we're doing uh, is what keeps me busy for a while i'll hope and i think that we need uh both the the very controlled experiments but also uh in interventions in the wild as they are called uh, uh sometimes in order to do meaningful research for our field 
This sounds very exciting and intriguing. Um, I would be happy to read more about this once it's published. <laughs> It'll um, take a while, I guess. <laughs> with that, we're already at the last and final part, uh, your involvement in early and possible advice you might have for younger researchers. Um, What does being a part of early mean to you and what are your most memorable experiences when you think about early? Mm -hmm. I think early has been very important uh, for me and still is. Um, it, it's my, I call it sometimes my scientific home or, uh, uh, or my, you know, or a scientific family. It's that, that combination of, um, It's a, it's a community in which I feel at ease and at home. And I think it's very important for researchers to find such a community, um, uh, both the, the, the broad early community, but also the, the, the different special interest groups uh, where you can find peers to, to discuss research uh, and other uh, things about. Uh, so I think th that combination has always worked for me that I found high quality research within early at conferences in the journals, um, uh, but also uh, nice people, uh, nice environment. So I think my most uh, in interesting research ideas probably originated Uh, late in the evening, uh, in a in a in a in a pub or a bar with people from different uh, countries that I would not uh, uh, deliberately put together around the table, but that ended up after, for instance, a conference dinner, and had still energy to have a drink, and then where are you from, and what are and and then some interesting ideas happen and, and early has been for me a place where not only these ideas were raised but where where I found also people uh, maybe it's not so stupid after all let's try uh, to do uh, a small pilot study uh, together and we'll see what comes out and several of the, the collaborations that I've been involved with started exactly like exactly like that with a small sometimes crazy idea at in the border of an early Uh, conference and then we had an opportunity to meet again after uh, so I, I um, so that's why it, I call it a scientific family because you uh, these things not only the scientific things are important at early I think it offers also an environment of it has offered for me an environment where I could uh, in, in a safe way meet people that we could discuss things with uh, and try things out and uh, present that thing at the next early conference or in a SIG conference and then discuss whether this idea should be elaborated further or not. And yeah, for me, that has worked very well. Uh, uh, and uh, the different things that early offers, like not only... Um, The big conference but also the smaller conference and uh, now nowadays they have much more uh, um, other initiatives uh, like for instance the mentoring grant i was very lucky to have uh, rachel with uh, with us in in, in antwerp uh, so these small things that bring people together um, um, yeah are for me 
what I liked about early and why early for me has, has also been important to to content what content wise work on topics that were relevant with with uh, not only nice people but also good <laughs> people and uh, offering also an, an, an enjoyable work experience and stimulating that and I think one of my most memorable. Uh, experiences also relates to this. Um, uh, it was probably or memorable in the sense of that this was unique uh, when early existed X number of years. I don't remember exactly how many. We had a Buddha conference in Budapest. I don't know exactly anymore when that was. Uh, but someone had the idea there to have a party where every past president's got i would say half an hour of dj time so we got all the past presidents and uh, they uh, so th there were many uh, researchers that i that that uh, that yeah it meant something important for different fields within the community and it was funny to see them be being or taking the role of a dj and uh, so that was memorable in a way because that people were doing things that they probably normally would not do, <laughs> but they would stick to their own uh, musical choices. So I'd, I'd, I'd like that idea of uh, uh, putting people in different uh, uh, situations and making the whole community enjoy that. So that was a memorable evening uh, for me because of these people, uh, I remember, Pietro Boscolo uh, playing some classical Italian music while other people uh, played some uh, funky music and so on. Yeah, that was a memorable experience for me. So maybe we early should do that again. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That sounds really great. Um, for the last question, could you give some advice for future higher education researchers? What would it be? Your top tips? My top tips, um, I would say, yeah, make use of the opportunities that you have to collaborate with people that do interesting work and that you think are nice. Uh, so do not stick to your own um, uh, topic only, but uh, collaborate, um, um, support also other people's work because it's fun and it helps the field. Uh, so my advice would be to do that and not to, it's, it's may, it's may, may sound contradictory, but I would advise people not to be too strategic, uh, because I think it's always a pity when people do things they do not like really, but they think are strategic for their future career. My observation is that they are usually not strategic at all. And, um, because what people criteria change uh, and uh, people are usually hired or end up in positions because people um, uh, want them to continue what they do uh, where they're good at so if you're doing things that you do not like because you think they are strategic you might end up being asked to continue to do these things you do not like while on the other hand if you do things that you like and you're good at you will highly likely also be asked to end up in places where people 
ask you exactly for doing the things that you like. And well, criteria change all the time. So I think it's a bad idea to only try to please criteria. I think it's much better to try to follow your heart. And then, uh, of course, there are some things that you know that are not stupid to do, but try to do them in those circumstances that you can make them as enjoyable as, pos as possible for you. And I think that people realize often too little that they have a lot in their own hands in the field of research and a lot of uh, so try to make use of this freedom that you have but might not think you have uh, that would be my advice <laughs> thank you for this great advice and i think it's a wonderful final word um, thank you so so much david uh, for your valuable insights uh, it was a pleasure listening to you I hope that um, all our early researchers find this conversation as fascinating as I did. Um, well, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciated that. Well, thank you for inviting me. I felt really and I feel really honored <laughs> to be uh, interviewed by you. So thank you. Thank you very much. This is a podcast produced by the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction in collaboration with the Institute of Business Education and Educational Management and the Media Lab at the University of St. Gallen. Thank you for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.